Long Island, Strong Island. This is my favorite part of the entire pod. Carrie Ricaro, take one. I just wanted a double clap. You deserve a double clap. Thanks. Welcome to the pod, Carrie Ricaro. The tables have turned for you. You are now the one being interviewed. Heck we yeah. have Carrie Ricaro. This is my favorite part of an intro. A Notre Dame fighting Irisher, Irish dancer. Um, a, a <laughs> Long Islander, um, a Carmex lover. I actually brought it out specifically for you. Keeps your lips nice and moist. I'll put some on right now. I'll do it too. Yeah. You Dude, her, that. sorry, not to pause you, Joe, but her chapstick game is like. I, oh, second to none. It's, it's second not to none. Like I could see Carrie anywhere in Raleigh. Her lips are never chapped. <laughs> Always, every day, no matter who she's gonna see. She sets, she sets the standard on lip care. She Love set it. the standard on lip Shout care. Shout out anybody, direct sponsorship. Yeah, I same. literally, I slid into Carmex's DMs and they said no. Oh, do you realize that? Rejection, I mean, that's ridiculous. They don't realize. We'll work yeah, they don't know, they don't understand. But I think know. we've got like a petition from like all fellow soccer players. Yeah, well, and anyone would we'll work on that. Like, anyone thinks of Carmex, I think of me. Ex I mean, I literally, I, I go to the store and I go, I wonder what Carrie's up to right now. When I, see <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's yes. funny. I literally, I want you to know when I see that, when I see it in the store at the shopping in the the, the checkout line, I think I go. I wonder my girl Carrie Ricard is doing. You or think of me often? I do. Oh, she does. Often. Very I nice. Do. I do. Current North Carolina Courage player. Got to slide that in there. See where you are currently. Sure. Welcome to the pod. Thanks Thank for joining. I'm so excited. I've been very excited. This has been on my planner, like written down for a very long time. And then I'm like texting Joe 30 minutes ago. I'm like, still 4.45, right? Today. Yeah, Tina, <laughs> Tina messed up on that. Sorry about the, no, the, no, the late I, Zoom. I wanted to make sure I was watching Too Hot to Handle with my roommate. And I was like, hold on now. We can't get too into it. I have to like Pause. The, the best though is that like I've never Tina gives me so much crap for actually physically writing things down in my planner. So I'm like, when I texted you, I was like, listen, I'm so sorry, but I'm not by my planner right now. Can I give you a text in 30 minutes? But I said the same thing back. I was like, same. I'm out of town. Like my planner, I it's over there, but yeah. everything's right now. It no, Google Drive, yeah. Google. Let's just say oh, our pod would fall apart if Tina by some odd chance lo Joe lost the planner and Tina didn't have backup because yeah. everything's in the planner. But so are you every thing. So are you the like more organized like one or do you guys share the load? What do you think, Joe? I think we're we're both anal attendants. Yeah, we both are. Curious. Like if I show you, so I have like, co I coach, I do individual sessions. We got the pod. I'm in my C license right now. So like Tina has it all on her like Apple calendar. Whereas I'm like, okay, I actually, can you pause Tina? Cause I actually need to write it down. And she's like, so, but there's two types of people. Like I have, I just have constantly so many things going on that like, I'm pretty good at keeping like a mental calendar. Joe's somebody that like, we'll have a 45 minute conversation and then she needs to reiterate everything that we've planned by text after yeah. just to confirm X, Y, Z. And I'm like, yes, yeah. I'm Joe. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. Which is fine. Hey, you know what it's like? This is like a true partnership. No, no, no. The I'm sure you have it with your pod. It's a true yeah. partnership. Whenever I listen to Butterfly Road, which we'll get into, I'm like, Jenny is Tina. And I'm Carrie. The editor. Oh, yeah. I edit. I do all that. Yeah. yeah. That's me. Yeah. Jenny crushes the edit. Yeah. I, I do social media. I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm yeah, yeah. There's no way. I was an exercise sports science major. Tina's like, um, did you ever remotely even do you know how to work Google Drive? And I was like, dude, I was an exercise sports science exercise sports science major. We didn't touch a computer. We got Joe her first like Mac. Yeah. We so we're just learning, you know, just we're learning, learning as we go. Who does the social media for you guys? Because I love the graphic colors. Oh, so I do all the graphics and the design. Joe does a lot of the posting. And then, I feel thank like you. recently like rebranded or something. Yes. We, did. we did. Okay, I noticed. It's good. It was great. That makes We're working on it. We got some new stuff coming. That's yeah. my, like, my passion. Oh, so and, and the clothes too. You have clothes. Yes, you'll be getting. You'll yeah, be we got you. We got you. Don't you worry. Mm -hmm. It's all coming in. Don't you worry. Hey. Um, yeah. 
I also recently to whoever's listening, also um, we're on TikTok now. Made my first TikTok. Okay, I'm gonna follow. Yep, you're gonna follow. follow. Um, I, we're uh, expecting I, some content this week, and me and Joe are gonna be at the lake. Yeah, I some pulled, funny shiz. I pulled the girls that I trained, which is obviously our audience, and I said, "Do we need a TikTok?" And they all 100% said yes. So mm -hmm. I have my TWAP interns, who are the kids that I trained, and they sat me down and like showed me how to do it. So yeah, I don't get there. We're getting there, Carrie. One day at a time with Joe. We're getting there with the technology. I just, I just hit you guys with the follow. Oh, oh thank you. It's a big yeah, follower right now. There. Thirty-six Eight. followers. Love that. Oh follow. yeah. Wait, can you watch? Can you watch the the TikTok and tell me if you think it's funny? Which one? The, the newest one. The newest one. I want to get a. I want to get Joe's a. It was very. This is a live. <laughs> just wait till the end. It is sad. It's not sad. It's funny now. Yeah, or wash-ups. What can you say? Oh, you Joe's know? a little... That's all Joe. Yeah, Joe's the injured one here. I'm just a wash-up. Okay. Oh. <laughs> the end is good. The end is good. The end is good. And it wasn't played by the Yeah. Oh, she can still do tricks. Like, that's great. Yeah, Joe needs the next hip. This is her hip game out. All right, let's get into it, Joe. Get into the question. From Molly Gagan. Okay, so let's just, you know, dive right in, Carrie. So Tina has coined us... Um, you, you're more than me, but a youth national team lifer. That is what Tina has. That's the term that she has coined. Carrie, you are like the epitome of a lifer, you are a lifer, which is like a huge accomplishment. There's nothing bad about that, oh. but you are the epitome of a natty, just USA youth lifer. Yeah. This girl was at every so, camp. Yeah. Did you even go to school? Probably not, but it's all good. She could strike a ball. And she got, she still got a degree from Notre Dame, right? Yeah. So it works out in the end. So I'm curious to hear your experience because I know my experience, but talk about one, your experience in just the, the constant standard that you're constantly being held to as a player, every tournament, every game, everything, everybody's like, that's Kerry Recaro, youth national team player. Talk about always having to fight for your spot, the competitive environment, and literally every center back or every midfielder in the country really wanting to be you as a youth player hit oh, you hard in the first question welcome yeah, I mean it was like very cutthroat like I just remember so many people being like oh you're on the national team and I'd be like well you're never on the national team like you know how it is like you're like yeah I got invited to a camp but I'm not like if I stink they will never call me back and like you know there were so many girls and I feel terrible saying this there were so many that like came in waved hello and you never saw them again and you were just like I broke in early and I think because I was I did that it was just like my name was known and so I established like a consistency early on so if I had a bad camp which I did didn't matter as much but if you were coming in late let's say you're coming in you're 18 years old to a U18 camp and you don't show you're just kind of like bye nice knowing you maybe you'll get drafted in the league and I feel like that's kind of how it was it was it was brutal like think about it well you, you experienced it but like 14 15 16 17 like the most formidable years of like a child in their teenage years it's like okay you weren't good enough okay see ya Susie like nice nice knowing you I hope to see you around but they didn't it, it's not like anyone ever told you you just like never heard from anyone again so like you're sitting yeah, there like, like think a camp no criticism at all am I getting, am I going to get that email waiting for the email? Yeah. Or then, then the best is like your friends texting you like, Hey, did you get an email? Like it would go to my mom's email and they'd be like, <laughs> you get emailed one time. Lindsay Horan didn't ask me because she didn't think I was going to get the email. And I text, I texted her. I'm like, Hey, I just got the email. She goes, Oh yeah, me too. I just like, didn't want to ask. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> nice. Freaking email. And it went to my mom's. And so obviously like I didn't have my email set up on my phone because it was my mom's. So like, I had to wait till I get home. And I remember rushing to the computer, like, and then all the California, like, was it sent from California? Was it sent on East coast time? Was it West coast time? Like it threw you for a loop. But even earlier than that, like Whitney used to call and leave voicemails to like my mom or like my house. So, like, and then like, you would get a different, you would get a call at a different time than someone else, obviously. Yeah. It was really like nerve wracking when you think about it. Yeah. I mean, obviously it was amazing. I feel like so many of my friends came from that experience. I think being in it consistently allowed me to be friends with people that were still in it with me consistently. And yeah, it was a joy. I, I, I would say I had an easier time than most, 
I guess that's why I'm a lifer, but yeah, I did. I, I worked hard, but I did. I, I had, I think I established myself early and I was invested in, and I grew, I just kept growing. And so, yeah, I, I, I'm lucky that I was given opportunities though. And I think I just like took them and that was that world cup champion. We're speaking to her. Yeah. But you know, what's funny about that experience. Can I share a little bit about it? Oh God. So I, um, it's actually really interesting when I always say this, like when one door closes in life, you never know what door is going to open. And so I'm going to rewind to the 17s. We're the first 17s team to not qualify for the world cup. We like outscored our opponents 38 to zero. And we lost in a shootout. And so I'm like, my life is over. Like, I'm not going to the World Cup, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I really kind of lost my starting spot with the 17s right before the CONCACAF tournament. And we ended up having to go to Dallas the next week because we already had a camp booked at that time. And so we were all like, we have to go and play Brazil in, in the Toyota, Toyota Stadium. And um, so we go and we had Mike Dickey instead of our old coach that man. I, I would say one of was one of his favorites growing up and so I was like hey Mike Dickey's here he puts me at center back and we go from our old formation was three in the back we're back at four in the back it was me and Abby Dahlkemper next to each other and I think to this day that was the best game of my life and from there Randy Waldrum saw me play for the first time I then got called up to a U18 camp and I was two years younger than all these girls. And that ended up being the cycle of the U20s that ended up going and winning the World Cup. All from that one like terrible tragic experience with the 17s where I just got one opportunity, one game, got called into that cycle and then was on the radar in that cycle and then ended up going to the World Cup like two years later where I actually wasn't a starter in the beginning of the whole thing. And then by games three and a half. I had to sub in Julie Ertz got an injury. I was like, I'm ready. Subbed in, never left the field, which is like, I just think it's a cool thing to be like, I literally earned my spot within the world cup. Like I did not go in as a starter. That's cool. cool. Awesome. Yeah. That's and really I don't think a lot of people like know that. And no. yeah. So that's, that's really interesting too. Cause think about Italy right now, as an example, like all those players were like a disgrace, right? Like they didn't make the world cup. Like what was it two years ago? And they just won the euros. Like what about such a flip in a cycle to see like players? It's it's just true. Like in the tragic moment of your career, maybe that could be the start of something amazing on the other yeah, side. Yeah, and you, you don't know it at the time. Like it took me two, three years to realize like, oh yeah, none of that would have happened if we think about it. If we qualified for the World Cup, we would have never switched formations. I would have never played in those game, that game against Brazil. Would I have gone to Notre Dame? Maybe it would have been at UNC. Uh... <laughs> I'm just saying like you you never know you never know well what I think is fascinating too is like kudos to you for not getting because I know how like it rocked U.S. soccer's world that you guys didn't and I was the next U17 cycle so we're like okay we can't be like that that group like we got to qualify so for you to be able to switch that in your brain and be like okay like I got to show up now oh it's hard (laughs) you're young you're like 14 years old it's like emotionally draining. Mentally lock in for those 90 minutes changed the course of your career. And life. Your life. I think it's yeah. awesome. That's I know. Awesome. I love that. I love that. That story. is really cool. And I'm glad you gave context to it. <clears throat> so, well, me and Carrie are both from Strong Island, baby, Long Island, New York. Go Albertson. But I feel like we both can say we are not like from there anymore. Like, are we from the 919 now? Period. Probably, <laughs> probably now. But like, I just feel like when you, I, first of all, like if you met me and Carrie's mom, she'd probably be like, nope, Long Island. Oh yeah. But <laughs> like straight Long Island accent, born and raised the whole nine yards. coming down south. Yeah, but we anyway, never look back. Yeah, right. Like I've never been back, yeah. So point is that it's a very unique place with unique people. Um, and let's just say, I don't know how your experience was, but I also went to, uh, I went to Tennessee after my first years at Vanderbilt. You went to Notre Dame, obviously for your career, huge culture shock for me. I'm sure for yourself was also different in South Bend, Indiana. Talk about how this Yankee, like Long Island girl, you honestly, Carrie, you really could have gone anywhere. What led you to go play for Randy Waldrum? At Notre oh, Dame? listen, it was, it was tough. I like can't even look at Joe because yeah like do I have a little Tar Heel in my heart yeah look at her smiling she knows and like everyone knows Anson knows all everyone knows 
but um i my top oh and my third choice was virginia so here we go baby I just, what a, what a I three know, here i didn't know anything about notre dame i just went and visited i had no clue who randy was nothing about the campus my dad and i just went because i he wanted to go to a football game it was the one trip my mom didn't come yeah. on i was just like where are we going whatever and i was like fell in love with the campus i fell in love with the team and the girls and the environment and i was just like okay that was really nice went home and had like a bunch of my other visits after that and actually it was really funny Anson was like where else are you looking and I was like Notre Dame and he goes into his archives pulls out this DVD of UNC beating Notre Dame 5-0 and I was just like okay it's funny because we had Anson on last week and after talking with him I'm not shocked by that story I was like at all and he like brings out his book he's like here's everyone that won a national championship and I'm like okay I know I know I know so I was all like oh my god UNC like also in love and then then I I went back and forth for Lindsay, huh? Lindsay was supposed to be coming to the good old. Man. I know that was it too, and I knew I was like that. It could have just Crystal been. Dunn, former Albert I know, I I know. It was very difficult, and I was I was like this. I was going to UNC, UNC, and then I don't know what happened. I just switched, and I knew I was like either way, I would have been happy. I had many sleepless nights after I committed. It was very hard to call Anson. Very hard to call Steve. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I had many sleepless nights, especially because in 2012, my freshman year, UNC won. And I was just like, oh, rats. But like, I tell people I could have went anywhere and been happy. I feel like it's like, especially as soccer players, it's the lifestyle where you have to make home wherever you are. And that's just like something I've learned to do. And I think I did it in college. I do it here. I did it in Houston. I, I can do it anywhere. And that's like part of the job. I think we're all like special at doing that. But again, back to your point, Carrie, about full circle, you end up going to Houston, Randy Waldrum once again, like who knows if he ever actually like invests in you as a player. And it's funny you say that because a week before the draft, I had my labrum surgery. So Mm -hmm. I was in a wheelchair. I didn't go to the draft and I like couldn't walk. And Randy knew, and a lot of the other coaches knew, but Randy was like, yeah, I will take you anyway, because I believe in you. And who knows what would have happened to other coaches might've just been like, ah, I don't want to deal with that. How, um, how long speaking, just asking also, how long did it fully take you to heal from your, your hip labrum? So funny. I was just talking about this with my roommate. Is she frozen? Oh, she's back. Okay. Um, I was just talking about this with my roommate, like two hours ago, I got cleared a little too fast. I think I got cleared. in like, less than four months and I was playing but oh my god I was like slow I was just slow yeah it's all around wow four months is it was supposed to be four to six months but like how long did it actually take me to feel like fit again a year yeah how long did it take me to feel fit and sharp two and a half years yeah because I like my training environment and stuff yeah I didn't feel like myself for a long time but I do now, yeah. which is good. Good, good. So you touched on it a little bit, but you got drafted fifth by your former coach, Randy in Houston. A man that never gets rid of a tan. <laughs> yeah. Just, Literally. Yeah. I know. Anywhere he is, he's tan. Yeah. I know. Indiana tan. <laughs> I'm like, hello. Why are we all like, we're like playing you in November. I'm like, this dude's got to like, Cancun tan. I know, I'm like, How? there's got to be a tanning bed in your house, man. There's got to be. Got to be. Anyway. So it was a pretty underperforming team, to say the least, when you got there. Mm-hmm. Talk about how that transition was from always participating on a very successful Albertson team, a very successful Notre Dame team, a very successful youth national team career. How was that coming into the league, now your career, on a team that's not as successful? It was tough. It was tough. And I would say a little bit of it started at the late end of college too, where I think we did, we were a little bit underwhelming compared to like previous years with Notre Dame. And, and then I think when I got into the league, I was like, well, everyone on my team, they're all professionals. They're more serious and focused than my call. Like my college teammates, I was like, not everyone's there to play pro. They're there to like, you know, bop around and have fun and like have a drink and go to parties and like, you know, get a good degree. And I understand that. But in college or in pro, I'm like, okay, everyone's here to do what I want to do. I, the players were good on Houston. You look at the roster and you're just like, on paper, this should be good. I just don't think we were flowing well. I think the ball just like never bounced our way. And it was frustrating. It was almost like 
you got used to losing and you just were accepting that. And it, it, it was tough. It was really tough. It was two years of that. Like we, there was one time, I don't think we scored a goal for like six games straight or like it was, oh God, it was terrible. So you feel like that almost, it's interesting now kind of on the flip side is that it almost seems when you get in that kind of repetition of losing and that it, it almost not, I mean, to be blunt, almost a losing culture on the flip side, you're on a winning culture now. Mm-hmm. Talk about like jumping from the losing culture back to the winning culture. Do you feel like, okay, finally, like I can like be myself. They're totally different roles for me, especially when I first came here, like with Houston, I felt like more of a, I was young, but I still felt like a veteran or a leader. I felt experienced because I felt like we had a younger team and I still, I was like, oh yeah, I'm playing a ton. Like, I feel like I have control over how things go on the field and I felt more responsibility. And then I ended up getting waved, made my way over here. And I went from being like a bigger fish to the very tiny year fish. Like I played in two games the the year we won in 2018. It was like the greatest team of all time. We set every record possible. And I had to sit there and completely just like jump on the bus of whatever, like it was already a good culture. And I, I had to get back to old ways and old habits that I lost due to injury and college and whatever you, whatever happened, I had a lot of work to do on my own. And I, I think anyone that comes in here, you either adapt quickly and like hop on the bus or you're out, like you won't make it here. And there's, it's because there's so many people doing the same thing. And it is a really positive culture. I feel like a lot of people like, hate love to hate North Carolina courage but if you're a part of it you understand but if you're not it's like oh we hate those guys they win all the time but it's like if you knew why we won and all that running we do and all the crazy oh god like that's why it's because all Riley passing drills that we've been doing since we were six years old and like oh yeah and my brain he he demonstrates once you're like did you get that and I'm like you're uh, like there's 17 passes in this yeah and he'll be like don't you know? And I'm like, no, I don't. I'm like, what do I do? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. And then he's just like, go. And everyone's just trying to like, and then eventually oh, you know. get it. And it's like amazing when, it, oh, when yeah. it clicks. You're like, we look like we're like the best team in the world. But I recently learned from him that he makes them so complicated because he wants us to learn to think and be sharp because that's like what soccer is. And I was like, oh, like everything's intentional. With Paul. People don't realize yeah. that everything he does is intentional. It's funny though. I um, sprint now. I don't even get water after warm up. I beeline it to get in the demo group because if I'm not doing the demo, I have no damn idea what's going on, especially because of the mirror image. So I'm always just like, wait, if I'm facing this way, what, what? I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. Like, the other I, side don't, is so I like don't practice. That's experience too, though. Like, yeah. I'm like, you, just, yeah. How you learn, knowing how you learn. I want to, I want to step back and just because I, I don't even know if you remember this, Carrie, but. Before I played in the Champions League, I actually trained with you in Houston during, I would say, a really challenging time. And I think the culture was probably at, like, it's worse. Like, Randy was getting fired. There was a lot of losses. Um, Yeah. I just want you to speak on, like, I don't think people really have, like, an aspect of how difficult it is when it becomes your job. And, like, there's really no detachment. Like, that team, it wasn't a lack of... um, let's say talent, but like when your coach is fired, now they bring in the assistant. You're trying to just like win a game in frankly, 105 degree weather in Houston in the midst of July, you're on a losing streak. And everyone in the league has come from great universities, great like national teams, whatever. So everyone's used to winning and you're just not performing. And I think a lot of people don't realize it's like, of course, people's like, people are going to be chippy and things are not going to be great at practice. And it's like, I just think, because I know you're passionate about mental health and it's something I think we need to bring more light to, but like, there's so much you have to battle just in the aspect of like in season. It's, I think it's one of the most like difficult times to detach because everything you do is so central to like either recovering, like fueling your body training. And like a lot of your time is with teammates. So you don't really get like that exterior time to like experience other things or people Talk about how like you've navigated that in your career, just especially in the times where maybe you, it, things aren't going your team's way, but you're just trying to like keep yourself level and keep your mind level in terms of just like worrying about your own performance, but also trying to like be positive for your team kind of idea. Yeah. 
so I'll say first that it, I've gotten so much better at this from now in North Carolina and not because I'm winning here because of other reasons that I can talk about. But um, also I remember this, first of all, the pressure we felt because we could not win, it starts to weigh on you. So no matter how positive someone's going to be like, I don't know, I haven't lost that many games in a row here recently. So I'm just like, I don't know. I mean, we're losing like eight games in a row or whatever. And you're just like, how can you, how can you not yell or get after someone at this point? It's just ridiculous. It's like, not again, like the pressure, it really, we probably needed someone to come in and speak to the team because it was just you couldn't escape it. And like, we would try to go out to eat or spend time with friends. And 100% of the time, the conversation steered right back to the coach and this and and how bad we're doing. And that is where I've learned. You got to talk about it for 15 minutes with your close gal, pal. Like I do it with my roommate and then we move on and we have other things in life. So fast forward, I actually, I wrote an article. I should send it to you guys about separating things like about finding. I love you too. Joy. I'd love to highlight it too. If it's online. Yeah, it's online. I'll send it to you. So what I did was I shifted my goals. And so they're not outcome based. They're just more like growth based and enjoyment based. So like my two goals every day, smile, grow easy. So no matter what, if I lose 10, zero smile, grow easy. And then I leave the field none of it matters. Literally none of it matters. Really. It doesn't. I'm fine. I have other great things in my life, but I, I forgot or didn't train my brain to do that back in Houston. Cause I was like, I'm all about winning and I want to be the best soccer player ever. And I want to win an NWSL championship. Well, you've been conditioned to be that way. Yes. We don't talk about that all the time. Focus on that. And I tell people even rewinding to college, don't go to win a national championship because you're probably not going to win one. I tell that to everyone now. Go, just get better and enjoy your time, get an education and make memories with your friends because that's important. And I was so cranky all the time because I wasn't winning games at Notre Dame either. And I was just like punishing myself, not going out, not getting ice cream because I would lose. And it's like, well, you didn't win anyway. So whether you're happy or sad (laughs) after your game, you still didn't win the damn championship. So God, preach. Now, I love it. Now I tell people I have plans regardless of how a game goes. I'm like, Oh, I'm getting tacos after with my friend, win or lose. And I'm like, okay, lost played like shit. Excuse me. I'm not, I'm not to say that. Can I be that friend? <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, like I'm going to have fun no matter what I'm going to make things that are 100% exciting in my life, despite how anything on the field goes, obviously do I get competitive and frustrated? Do I come home sometimes? I'm like, damn, I was trash today. Yeah. But then I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to like, make a fun dinner with my roommate and we're going to whatever bop around and have a great time. And I'm so fulfilled in that way. And it, it translates, it comes back around and translates onto the field. And I then you play love that so much. Thanks. Like if I could just bottle that up, and just like send it out to you sell it. and sell it. This is why everyone should be listening to her pod. Cause yes. this is the good wisdom. I know, this is the shit I babble about on my pod. Wait, am I on Yes. Yeah, you're good. Okay. This, this is uh, what we like to live by is an unscripted, stories of girls playing soccer just a winding road of unfiltered shit okay so that's that um so you touched on it now i want to hype this up because i love i love little intros okay this is what i wrote and tina thinks it's really funny when i just read my notes because well joe are you scared i love that you did did all this research because i think it's like really cute and nice yeah i think we have to take a step back because i think we have one more thing we want to ask about what we were just talking about anyway let me let me get into this because i there's more i want more wisdom i want from uh, carrie in regards to something um so so let's talk a little bit about like trajectory of your career right you're drafted super high you've done really well houston's not the greatest thing but like i think your story is incredible because not many girls frankly have ever been able to do what you've done um just to give people perspective most girls that either get waived or they just they're gone like you don't see them again in the league it's just kind of like either they go overseas or they just stop playing Mm -hmm. so you get waived by Houston and I feel like I'd love for you to kind of briefly talk about your first your resiliency but also like your comeback in your career I think it's like incredible how you were able to kind of come back through this North Carolina journey and really reestablish your career but also it seems as though like the way you're talking um kind of reestablish your mindset and probably make frankly beyond soccer or anything else your life much more like enjoyable which is important mm-hmm. people like mm-hmm. beyond any professional sport or activity or job can you just talk about that but also like 
what would be your advice to somebody who's maybe just not where they want to be, whether it's an athletic career or their person, like career in anything and are facing very deep adversity and just like need kind of wisdom and how to navigate that mentally and, and find, I guess, like the silver lining in that rut mm-hmm. that they may be in. I feel like you can speak well in that because like you took, again, like you, you've battled through something that most, and it's nothing against those that, that haven't battled through it. I just think there's not many of you that have been able to kind of like take a step away and then come back and really assert yourself back in the league and now be on a great team and performing. Yeah. It's crazy. Like back in the day when I got waived, there was only 20 girls on a roster. So that was like back. That's why I ended up getting waived. I mean, there's a little like politics involved and I'm not shy to say it. I don't think I deserve to be waived. And I think a lot, I, most people would probably agree. Yeah. However, I did get waived. And at that point, what's done is done. And no one picked up my contract, which to me, I was kind of like, okay, so my contract's terminated at that point. And you're coming off of being a U.S. national team youth lifer, fifth pick in the draft with a hip surgery. Like I kind yeah. of was like very high up, you know, and sure. back then, I mean, pe- yeah, people were talking about me like I'm up here and two years later, I'm down here and I'm like, oh gosh, like what is happening to my career? And, um, I get a call. I, I'm, I had a brief stint in Seattle. They, they took my rights. They called me they're like, we have your rights. And I was like, I don't know how any of this works. So I'm like, okay, I'm out in Seattle. I'm there for a week. Blackco was there at the time. Um, I just didn't think it was a good fit. They had a billion center backs at the time. They had all the Boston players. Cause I don't know if you guys remember when they, when you draft um, Boston players, they don't count. Yeah, I was, I was drafted by Boston and then my, I didn't even sign a contract. This side note, I didn't even sign a contract. And then Chicago claimed my rights uh-huh. and I, I didn't even sign anything. So Chicago owned my rights, even though they didn't pay me. So, yeah, yeah, that was, that was Seattle. They had my rights, weren't paying me. I was there hanging out and I was like, okay, well you have so many Boston players. So you guys have like 27 people on your roster because however many of them didn't count against the roster spots at the time, this was like the rule. And I was just looking and I'm like, I'm like third string left back here. I'm not doing this. I just didn't think it was a good fit. I was like very almost ready to like hang up the boots. So I told Vladko, I was like, it's not a good fit. I don't think blah, blah, um, I'm in the shower chilling and I'm like, I think I'm just like done. And I got a text from Paul Riley and I then was in the airport going home and I called him from the airport. I was like, I'm going home. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. I'm done. He's like, I think we could get you here soon. Like be ready. And then like a couple of days later, I was on a plane to North Carolina with a suitcase and they signed me a couple of days after that. And then I ended up winning back-to-back championships. And I mean, it wasn't easy when I got there. He was like making me run suicide miles by myself, like every other day and doing all this crazy stuff. Cause uh, I, I wasn't fit, but I was thankful to finally be in an environment where I was like, okay. Like I said, with my earlier story, like you don't know what doors are going to open for you yeah. and off the field too, which I'll touch on the mental health thing. You just don't know what's going to open up for you when the first door closed with Houston, I was just like, oh my gosh, like my life's here. My friends are here. I loved my team. I loved my friends as like toxic as it was. And we weren't mm-hmm. winning. I loved my, my girls. And so it was really hard at first. And then I came here, the girl I live with now, they threw me in a, an apartment with her. I go, who is that? And we were sharing a bathroom, sharing a locker. I'm like, actually who she was a practice player at the time. Uh-huh. And our best friends, we, we lived together. She's like my soulmate. And That's so awesome. just like, crazy how things just fall into your lap like that and my cousin lives in apex here and his family and i'm closer to home and just like off the field things just really fell good for me because of that and i guess i don't know if a lot of other people i got lucky i think i i really did i had an opportunity and i got lucky i think you well, got lucky i think you got lucky but i think you took the opportunity to- Yes. I know, th- but I think you listened and you didn't fight the things that were being thrown your way. Like you, you jumped at every opportunity and you, you didn't. But I also think Joe, know. just to, just to throw it out there. And I think this is something we're missing on Carrie's story is that there's something to be said. And I, you kind of talked about it with your youth staff team saying, Oh, I got in early. So I think that helped. I do think that helps, but I, I don't think it's, I think like something that youth players need to know is that from when you start getting evaluated and on, that all matters. 
Randy Waldron taking a chance on you because of knowing your quality through Notre Dame, that's not like favoritism. That's just you proving yourself before the fact. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with Paul. Mm -hmm. You know this, Carrie. Paul does not bullshit, okay? He's not going to just play you. He's not going to just play you and say, oh, you were like a player I used to coach, so just come on in. It's like, if you don't show up, Carrie, and run the suicide miles and do all the shit he's asking of you, you're just going to go home. Mm -hmm. So I think it's just something to be said about like, always keep that in mind as a youth player. I wish I knew that more. It's like, those are advantages you should be taking advantage of. Like, just keep trying to put your best foot forward with whoever's evaluating you, because in the end, that's something that they can trust later on. And then I'm also just going to hype, I'm just going to jump in and hype on the carry train as well. You also got yourself back to where you wanted to be. Like, it's not yeah. like, like Tina said, like you're an opportunity very, and you took it. You're a very humble person, which speaks to like how you are currently and where you're at and what you've done in the, in your career is that you say like, Oh, I just kind of got into national team. Program. No, you earned your spot every freaking camp. Like you were a boss and still are a boss. So I don't, I want you to give yourself credit, even though you won't. So I'll, yeah, give yourself a pat on that because I'll be, I'll jump on the carry, carry hype train because I've been on the carry hype train since carrier Ricaro when I was a little kid coming into your 94 camp as a youngster was the kindest you and Lindsay were the kindest seriously. And my mom like remembers it to this day. Like she's always like that kid. I, I barely met her, but like, I have the most up, utmost respect for her because it, once again, it's how you treat people. And when I was a young kid, you and Lindsay were the kindest, sweetest people to me when you could have really, you guys were the stars of the team and you really could have just been assholes and you weren't, you were kind and took me kind of under your wing and like, we're getting kind. And I think that speaks to who you are as a person. So yeah, for sure. that's awesome. That, 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 so you got yourself to where you are by taking opportunities. It wasn't easy now that I'm like, kind of like reflecting. I don't, I like buried a lot of. Yeah. yeah. No, I know. Um, there were times where I was literally had like tears rolling down my yeah. face running by myself. Like yeah. it, it was tough. And it's and so true. We ended up season, I barely played and I was like, Oh God, I'm so much a part of this because of what yeah. I did when no one was watching. Yeah. 100%. And like a lot of, a lot of my teammates still don't know. And it's just cool. I'm like, I helped them because you I was, ready, I was ready to push them and practice and stuff and then I started really enjoying myself off the field too and I think that's where that whole like find the fulfillment smile and grow like that stuff came with this shift in my life and oh my gosh boy does it help it it really completely takes a whole team not just the 11 on the field takes a whole team to win yeah so true oh yeah I've learned that more now than ever before I I never had an appreciation for it like I do now because people don't feel important when they don't get playing time I couldn't disagree less like Yes. You are just as important. My yeah. God. Yeah. People, they don't realize. So I really was jumping the gun because I wanted to talk it about it so darn bad. So time to talk about it. So um, I love my little notes. So I'm going to write, wrote, uh, read what I wrote. Tina gives me hell about it because she's like, she'll be like, Joe, you're literally like you type your notes, like you read them. I'm like, because that's how I learn. Yo, so, read it out. Okay. I'll, I'll read it with my eyes. You read it out. You and your friend and former teammate, Ginny, now tell me if I'm saying this right, McGowan? Yeah. Okay. Created the podcast, Butterfly Road, where you get mentally naked, which is what (laughs) I I want to get mentally naked, with your listeners. First, tell us why y'all wanted to start the podcast and what made you take the plunge into being so vulnerable and open about a delicate subject. Boom. That's my notes. And I'm so excited. Right, great question, Joe. Thank you. That's so funny about the mentally naked. Cause like, if I have to listen to any episodes, I literally fast forward that part. I'm like, ah, I'm mentally naked. I just, that's my favorite part. Oh, we're like ready to get mentally naked. We love it. Um, well, this is funny. So Ginny was two years younger than me and she just texted me randomly back in September. and was like, we should start a podcast. And I was like, you, I joke with her. I'm like, you have scrambled eggs brain. Like you were just all over the place scrambled and I was like yeah yeah yeah, okay and then the next day I was like no no no. like I was serious about mental health like she's like we always talk about it so like why not just like talk about it on a more public platform and I was like okay like what do we do like how I don't know so we we've had like no help we just 
um, one of my friends on the men's team here, he helps out his friend with the podcast. So we got on a zoom with him. He told us to buy a Yeti microphone and yeah, that one. Yep. And then I was like, okay, I guess we can record via zoom. And then what do we do? Upload it to the third party thing. And then it's all- <laughs> and within three weeks we were up and running and we were like, what do we even talk about? And so, I mean, I just feel like I'm, I've never been shy about saying it. I started going to therapy my freshman year of college. I had a terrible time transitioning. I was like, I want to leave. And I talk about it in my first episode, like how I hit it for a little bit from Randy. And then he was like, go see the, the psychologist. I went and was like, well, this obviously helped me. And I stayed there and had fun. And I saw my um, psychologist throughout my time there. And it was great and there was like no shame in it but people don't realize that and so i was like if i can use my platform to just be like who cares like yeah i, go, oh. I went i went to the, the psychologist the, what is it it's like whatever the, yeah the you know who went, helps me with my mental stability <laughs> yeah i went there and i got i just got tools so i can just get the most out, out of my experience and so for people that like are not wanting to go to therapy in real life i'm like don't you want to get the most out of your life and just like enjoy it like, so my mom, I saw, I started seeing one, um, when I was cut from the, my first U17 national team camp. Oh, that and was then, a long time ago. Yeah, that was, yeah. And so, um, my mom, when I got done, she was like, honey, like you can't just tell people they just need to go to therapy because I was like, this is the greatest thing. Like everybody needs to go to th- therapy. And I was like 17 and my mom's like, yes, but you kind of have to navigate it a certain way. You don't just need to tell people go to, go to therapy. <laughs> and I'm but like, think something's wrong with them, but that's not yeah. true. It's just to enhance your, your well-being, you know? Yeah. And I think uh, the stigma around it has changed in the last, you know, eight years where like now if I said, by I think, it. yeah, people, people I live like, by oh, it. Totally. I could suggest it to anybody, even if you're happy. I'm like, you probably should just yeah, like, have you gone to how happy you are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do. It doesn't have to be bad stuff always. And sometimes it's more about like mental illness or sometimes it's just like, I want to like, um, be more mindful and have visualizing techniques on the field. Like sometimes it's just for sports or sometimes it's for depression or anxiety or whatever. It could be all across the map. And like in college, sometimes I was like going in there, like worried about my grades and crying and saying I'm homesick. And then sometimes I was just like, we're not winning and I don't know what to do. So it was totally all over the map with things I've struggled with. So I I I love talking about it. I'm, I, Sometimes it's interesting though, because when you're not, when you don't know who's listening to your podcast, you're like, oh gosh, but that, that's the whole point is my yeah. mom. My mom's like, yeah, be vulnerable. Like that's the whole point of like getting rid of the stigma and you have to do it. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. Well, I always say, I feel like with people that are going through any challenge, every time I've gone through something, I've always felt isolated in my struggle. Like I've always felt like I'm the only person in the world that's going through this. And then the minute I meet somebody or have a like a very vulnerable conversation with somebody who's like, oh, I went through the same thing or like this was a way in which I went through it. I'm like, oh, and it just makes you feel a little more like you're not this like messed up, you know, and you're not, but th- sometimes you can feel that way by the stigma. And so I'm curious, like, how do you guys determine like what you want to talk about? Is it just based off how to like what you're seeing going on like in the news or like around or just do how do you establish topics because there's such a range of things to talk about when it comes to mental health yeah and I feel like every time I'm like oh my god we're running out of stuff there's like 20 more things we could think of so we have like a google doc that we established many months ago and we had a bunch of ideas and then anytime I think of something even if it's really small you can really expand and dive deep on a topic so I'll just like write it And then we started doing Instagram polls of like, what do people want to talk about? And then people have slid into the DM suggesting things. So between all of those, plus having on as guest speakers, and then sometimes when we're like, okay, we're feeling a little like underprepared, what do we do? We need to record to like, you know, keep our schedule. I'll literally just talk about like how my, something I'm personally struggling with at the time. And like, I'll, I, there was a couple of months ago, it was in preseason and I brought up a situation that I was like literally going through at the time, talked to Ginny about it, explained, worked through it, like stuff like that, like very present day stuff. So. Well, we actually had a specific area we'd love for you to touch on quickly is, um, I know you're passionate about it, but like performance anxiety, 
it's something that I feel like it's not talked about, but me and Joe, we were like thinking about what are all the areas you've touched and something that's so like specific to probably people that that listen to this, but like when you listen to it, you're like, oh my God, I have been struggling with this since I was 12 years old. Like every game, every environment at every level. And I feel like it's such a big part of um, what we do as athletes. And yet it's not like, I don't feel like it's talked about. about it. I feel like I don't even have like enough education. And you you know, like when you're in a room, you're like, I can't tell them I'm nervous. Like, am I going to perform today? Like I, I got to tell the coach, like, no, I'm ready. I'm re- I'm good. Like I'm going to, I'm going to shut her down. But, but meanwhile, nervous, are they going to say, oh, I, I can't play her. Right. Yeah. It's, it's sticky and it's so it's sticky. Like, I don't know what you do. Like if someone comes to you and they're like, I'm really anxious about the game. I'm afraid to mess up. And then the coach is like, well, okay, should I play Susie now? Cause Susie's not anxious, but that's like, not fair. It's like, how do you help that person? It's, it's like, what comes first? Like, do they tell the coach and then get help or that, or are they on medication or like, what do you do? I mean, everyone just wants to be the best athlete they can on the field and I mean, I don't think I suffered with this as much Ginny has or had in sports. Like she had serious performance anxiety, but it's, I didn't even know when I was playing with her and she told me after, and I was like, I had no idea. She hit it. Didn't tell anyone seemed to be ashamed of it. I love that pod. I listened to that, like in its entirety, like I, her opening up about it was like, really like, I was like, she's at a top, top university playing and like that's incredible even like imagine if she was able to cope with it at a young age like how well, Joe, it translates right into play. your life after I mean like I feel that way oh, about yeah. my job I have performance it may not be like the same type of performance but it's like when I'm asked to do something I'm it's a soccer mentality I'm going to do it to my absolute best and like that perfectionism that we've all been conditioned that with comes in perfect. I feel like we all just have that like we need to be the best we need to put pressure on ourselves we need yeah. to be perfect we've always been like that and I feel when like nothing is perfect like that. and that's why they're not like they didn't go play at a d1 school like they didn't yeah. have that extra craziness if you will or that oh yeah pressure. it's a gene it's a crazy gene yeah but I also feel like it's good but it's also like you need to have I always say like I feel like now at this age I'm much kinder to myself and I try to keep yeah. that as like a constant thought like okay like it's good to like hold yourself accountable but you don't need to like beat yourself up at the same time yeah it takes a like, lot of mental training I feel like training you gotta give yourself some leeway and some grace to just be like all right like yeah I, I perform terribly why I don't I mean, I guess it's easier said than done because some people can't control that. And I, and I don't suffer from it. So I don't even know. It's like, do you need medication or do you just like work through it with some tools or just like self-talk being yeah. like, it's going to be fine no matter what happens. Yeah. Everyone's like different on the spectrum, which is something we always have to cover our asses and say, we're like, we know everyone is like <laughs> across the spectrum here. We're, and we are not qualified to like give medical advice. Yeah, we yeah, are yeah. not here. doctors. Wait, yeah. Wait, here. You translate to Jenny and tell her that my favorite murder also inspired me with podcasting because I was stalking y'all's Instagram and my favorite murder literally is my favorite podcast. And like, they always talk about how like, they're like, they got heat early on, like when they started because they were like, just shooting whatever they wanted. And like, people are like, okay, wait, you actually have to be like careful. Like there's a lot in, so like they had to like backtrack and like cover their asses a little bit so it's like funny because they still like are like we're not experts at it but like stay out of the woods like I just <laughs> yeah, we, we always like we're like yeah we we're just suggesting this because it's worked for us but do what you want like we don't we don't know and it's funny because of my favorite murder she was telling me that sometimes they like got a lot of heat for not saying their sources and she's yeah, like, yeah. I have to go back and say my sources I'm like oh hey I'm like you are telling everyone you got this from Wikipedia. Who cares? They do. No, but I have to. I'm they like, have to. Karen in Georgia, they yeah. did. Shout out Karen in Georgia. You've got to tell Jenny that I love my favorite murder too, because I, I saw love, it on I Instagram. I haven't okay. actually listened to it, but it seems really interesting. It's oh, good. It That's good. Okay, this has been amazing. Honestly, we if, if Instagram didn't limit us the time, shout out Instagram, we would talk to you for hours on end. Um, but we love to end our pods with a little bit of rapid fire. Oh gosh. Um, And so we're gonna ask you some questions, get your answers. One word answer or yeah, you'll say whatever you want. All right, favorite coffee drink. I don't drink coffee. Okay, favorite drink. 
Look at Joe. She's like, you don't. <laughs> Favorite drink. Um, water. What kind of water? <laughs> like, like water, like water. Chico? Like, like tap or like, like water. Like new. Like propel? No, okay. water. So it's a magic potion. No ice. No ice. Okay. Water, no oh. ice. All Ask right. Like, like hot or you got a cold or no, just warm. Like just regular. Cold or warm. <laughs> Lukewarm. <laughs> I'm sorry. Can I continue judging you so hard? So everything, back. Every okay. kind thing I said about you, I take back. <laughs> okay. After that, describe yourself in three words. <laughs> Lunatic, I guess. Yeah. Describe me in three words. I would say resilient, um, goofy. Um, oh, I don't want to use this because it's like, it kind of sounds cocky, but I would say like selfless or like giving or caring. I yeah, like, no, caring. no but, yeah, yeah. All right, favorite team to play in the league. What favorite team to play against? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. I like the spirit. Yeah. Home or away? Well, now at Audi Field, I like them there, but I, I love our home field. Yeah. Okay. Good memories. Uh, on the field. Current. What's your current takeout? Favorite takeout? in town like meal yeah like what do you get what's like a, a consistent takeout you always get esmeralda grill it's like a hole in the wall taco place right by the stadium oh yeah yeah yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. i gotta hit that up yeah. there's also um, a really good uh barbecue joint right down the street right there okay. right down right down the street by the stadium it's very good you know the little shack it's got like a looks like a trailer so just a side note you can check it out if you ever want some barbecue and potato salad thank you <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> Uh, TV show you've recently binged. Too hot to handle. Too hot to oh, handle. Oh, yeah. Okay. And your current favorite teammate. Oh, my current favorite teammate. It sounds okay, like well, a roommate. Not my soulmate. Besides my soulmate, yeah. Ryan, I'm really having a nice time with Haz, the Welsh girl. On Gerard. I can't even say her name. Love it. Okay. I love, I love that. that. I love that. Ah, oh, Carrie, Carrie this is great. Carol. We need to have you back. This was so fun. Thank you so much. I'm so honored. Thank I you so that. much. You will. Uh, I've yeah, just, we'll so, I'm just. I'm so just much more. I yeah. just. You're, you're getting on more and more and more. We're. You're gonna. You're a now a two wash up one pro staple. That's for darn sure. Heck yeah. Correspondent. Correspondent. Her and Mandy Freeman are yeah. correspondents. Mandy Freeman like hopped on and she was, yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. It was yeah. She's you know, like, killing. Live up to it, you know? I, but I did my best. I spoke. Oh, crushed it. You Thank crushed you. it. Okay. Well, that was a funny one, wasn't it? <laughs> Gotta love Carrie Ricaro. Strong Island. We grew up together. She's a pip. Um, and just so strong, honestly. It's kind of amazing to see where she's come in her career. And um, I know me and Joanna really enjoyed that conversation. We're really excited to continue. We're gonna push through here. You're gonna get an episode every single week with these guests up until the championship. Um, And next week's another really, really powerful story. We talked to Cabby Seiler um, about just her experiences in the league as well as um, her strength uh, in terms of mental health and her vulnerability. Uh, it's a really good conversation. I hope you guys all tune back in to listen. Um, and thanks for joining us on this one. See you next week.